Hello, welcome to the Metapod. Happy Tuesday this episode releases. I was going to say Monday because that's when we're recording. But happy yeah, we're new doing week. An early record. Happy post. You could probably tell it's a pretty early recording because I sound like death has walked <laughs> among my doorstep, but it, death actually flows through my veins. The Pog Championships have just happened. The Super Bowl of the Pokemon trading card game. Dunzo over. What What is there to talk about now? I mean, we could talk about what happened in the Pog Championships. But no, I there's mean, nothing I else guess. to talk about. Season's over. Wrap it up. We're done. Let's go home. Podcast is over. Podcast Move is over. Move on to the next one. If this was the Pokemon podcast, that's exactly what would happen. Podcast is over. Let Season's over. Wrap it up. I hate the Players' Cup. <laughs> anyways, anyways, we've already talked about this, that, and the other. As Sean said, we got the uh, analysis of the Atlas Pog Championships. We can also talk about the future and what the future may hold, kind of like your your official uh, first sneak peek. Because I think we'll probably, I think we'll be the first people talking about like post-rotation as like a, a recording version. I don't know. Somebody quote me on that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know who's talked about it necessarily, but this is the first time we're going to be talking about post-rotation explicitly. Yeah, that's like, that's like really what I meant. But I just want to say first, Nessa's getting a card. We won't talk about all the small little cards that were announced today, but Nessa's getting a card, so I'm excited. That's what matters right now. Um, but Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm good. You must be excited about that Nessa full art. I'm yeah, assuming. It's, I mean, it's not it's not here yet. We don't know about it. No, it's going to happen baby, though. They don't make the a supporter baby, without the full art. Basically, they don't make a they don't make a Nessa who is quite literally in the super in the in the video game lore. She's a supermodel. She is quite <laughs> literally a supermodel. They do not they if they miss the opportunity to make her a full art, they're missing on millions of dollars. Millions in one card. From me. Yeah. Millions specifically from me. The Atlas Pog Championships happen. Top 32 final standings we have in front of us. Looking at all these lists. And we're going to do a little bit of analysis. And we're going to start. We're going to start by me saying. Eternatus. Making that top eight. Making that top eight. It did it something. Did. It did. Roll, roll the playback of me <laughs> saying that. Eternity. It didn't. I did well. It didn't do well. I will admit that it didn't do well, and I didn't expect it to like be outright the best deck. Look, Eternatus. Like, if it rolls, like you know, if you get a roll and you don't get like donked or, or whatever, but that's what that's literally what happened in the loss. Like when it lost in the top eight, it did the thing that every Eternatus player should be worried about, which is you just have a bad start, and then especially against something like Item Lock. Like you just have nothing and you have yeah. no outs and you, yeah. Did you watch the match where Eternatus versus Vikavolt? I did. I watched the top eight matches and it was the first, I think it was game one was the one where he was just like draw passing and yeah. just top decking like, oh, I top decked an Absol. I won't lose because I run out of Pokemon this turn. <laughs> exactly. Like, it was just really sad. And I think eventually yeah. he was just like, I'm done. I'm done with this. Yeah, let's eventually he was one. like, oh, well, let's go to game two. Because they are on a timer, which we'll talk about later. I was going to say, but yes, Eternatus did make a showing in the top eight. So uh, I will I will not eat my words about Eternatus not being that great because I don't it still didn't do amazingly. But I will acknowledge 
You will nibble on those words. I will make you nibble on that. You will snack on those words. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Listen to me more. Um, Anyways, um, Senescorch, literally non-existent within the top 25. Placed 30th. Senescorch VMAX placing 30th. But that's it. Why why do you think Senescorch just did so bad? I I have no idea, honestly. I mean, if I look at this, like, let me... I really don't know. I don't know why Eternatus did so bad. It may be that it was up against a metagame in the top that was just maybe a lot faster than it. Because Eternatus, I mean, it's not Eternatus, it's Cinescorch. It's an evolving archetype, right? So you have to mm-hmm. like take a turn, power things up, evolve. As opposed to the typical welder box in the past, which is you just try to go straight in, right? You attach, welder, attack, right? That's what you do turn two normally in a welder box, but in Senescorch, you attach and then Volcanian. So it plays more like those greens decks used to. Mm-hmm. But if you actually look at the top 32, um, the decks that did well, at least in the format, you have things like Pikachu and Zekrom, Mewtwo and Mew welder box, Blacephalon, like you have a few baby blounds in there. So I think, the, I, you know, I don't know what its exact matchups were throughout the day, but like if that is the the archetype, like the not there, the deck spread, the matchup spread that made top 32, then those are the ones that probably went through Centiscorch to get there. And that means that Centiscorch is probably just too slow, right? Like the other decks had enough time to build up an Oko between Mewtwo and Mew and Belcephalon in, in particular. And then Pikachu mm-hmm. and Zekron just putting on a ton of pressure before Centiscorch could get rolling. I think that especially when you talk about um, matchups, like you also look in this list, there's no Lucario Melmetal. I don't think there's a, I may, I may have missed it because I've only been awake for about 10 minutes today, but like there is no Lucario Melmetal in this list. And I think that's like a huge thing that Senescorch needs. I mean, I don't, Lucario Melmetal is very obviously not, the most popular deck, right? It's not It's not like ADP where it's going to take almost a quarter of the field, but it is going to take a certain percentage that is going to propel you because of that weakness. But even then, like, if you can't get rid of the metal frying pans, like, is it even, like, that easy of a matchup to be, to be Luke Metal? And so I think you look at, you look at a couple of these decks as well, like um, Mewtwo Malamar, can really benefit from Giant Hearth. Uh, Blacephalon, Unbroken Bonds, really could benefit from Giant Hearth. Um, There's two of the three decks that you had mentioned at the beginning of when you were kind of trying to explain and looking at the decks compared to Senescorch that really can utilize it. And so, like, your Senescorch, like, do you even play your Giant Hearths? I played a Senescorch list when I was in the Pog against a fire deck that I was playing. And they didn't play the giant hearth because they were like, I don't want to give you two energies. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's tough out there. It was tough out there for Senescorch. It's very tough out there for Senescorch. I will say like, it might have been a better meta call if you were playing Senescorch to rely on fiery flints rather than giant hearts. Like, I don't know what everybody played, what the lists were, right? Maybe someone out there did do that and it still didn't matter. I will, yeah, I'll agree. Like, you know, they're just, Senescorch is also giving too much ammo to the exact decks that it doesn't want to have a matchup against, like Blacephalon or Mewtwo Welder. So even though you can maybe one-shot a Mewtwo in turn two or three or whatever, 
uh, you know, if you go second, power up, but Mewtwo Welder goes first, attaches, and then Welder attaches, like they could blow up anything, right? So it's uh, it's not not a good look. Speaking of Mew and Mewtwo, nobody, I don't know a single person that, especially someone like us, like a podcaster, like a content creator, that was on the hype train of Mew 3 before Azul started playing it on stream on like, what, Thursday? Is it Wednesday or Thursday? I, like he's, I, I think it was know. Wednesday. He started playing it on stream. Cause he he's usually streaming right after I stream and I start working on other things non Pokemon TCG content related. So like I'm usually lurking in there, just watching, trying to learn. He started playing Mew Welder on Wednesday because somebody in chat said, "Is is Mew Welder still viable? I can't really build any other deck." So he's like, "Okay, let's let's see how it works." And he he went like ten games straight undefeated. He was like, you know what? This might be the sauce. And there, there's a ton of Welder Mewtwo, way more to show up than what we originally expected. Look, I don't know how, like where necessarily these players are from, but if I had guesses, there's a Mewtwo Malamar, which is like its own thing, but that came from, mm-hmm. you know, someone named Ipo Kito or Ipo Kaito. You know, very well could be a Japanese player. I'm I'm just making assumptions here, but like, I think it's fair to make some assumptions like that. And then Yuma Shozaki, I believe, played a Melt Mewtwo Welder box. And then the other Mewtwo's in the top 32 was another Welder box by Man Kin Ho. The reason I bring this up is because I'm guessing that three of these players are East Asia based. And then the last one that played Mewtwo Malamar, Mewtwo Welder, I should say, uh, was Rahul. And Rahul, obviously, is on the East Coast. Um, and he is a Mew3 stan, right? Like, he's been playing a ton of Welder Mew3, like, for the whole season. I'm not surprised Rahul brought Mew3, because that's, like, his, you know, his ride or die, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know how much cross-pollination there is between, like, Azul's obviously a, a well-known player. Um, and the Pokemon TCG scene is not that huge. But I wonder if... There was more going on in the Japanese and Asian metagame. I, I don't know that um, that influenced that other than Azul. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't think like Azul is like the top guy like, oh, my gosh, everybody does what I do type thing. I mean, he kind of is. But like, I don't think like the influence is that large, you know, for any of for anybody. I think yeah. it's more like the the bottom tables. So you look at me when I don't know what deck to play. So I'm like, okay, what, 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 do, what deck does Azul hail? So I'm like, all right, maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll try it. But it was still super surprising to see that many, you know, we didn't, we weren't sure what deck was going to kind of pop off and like surprise everybody. Like we did see a fighting deck make top 15. Lucas Dellenbatch <laughs> do an extra drill. Shout outs to your, you got yep. BDE. You got BDE. Anyways. <laughs> I will say the the amount of Pikachu and Zekrom in this top 32 is surprising. The reason mm. I say that is Pikachu mm. and Zekrom is a deck that I'm like the power creep, right? I just keep thinking Pikachu and Zekrom is going to get pushed out because of Pokemon that more easily do 240 plus damage. And 
the answer keeps being no. No, it does not. <laughs> and so you had like what one, two, how many are in here? One, two, three, a lot. <laughs> four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh my God. Eight There's a lot. in the top 32. One fourth. Big. 25% of the top 32 is Pikachu and Zekrom. Not to mention that Isaiah Brander won the whole thing with Pikachu and Zekrom. Yes, Mr. Isaiah Bradner himself winning. Bradner, sorry. I mean, yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'm saying. So, like, I think I mentioned this last week. There's a couple key points that I want to hit on for why, like, I am surprised, but I'm not surprised that Pikachu did so well. I think I hit on this last week. Especially when you open up a format, when you open up a new format, there it takes time it takes time to be able to like build the perfect deck right pikachu and zekrom has been around for so long it's almost a comfort pick we know what works right we don't have to build like an entire new archetype like eternatus and senescorch you know it's it's pikaram like mewtwo it's a it's an archetype that we don't really need to work on um as well and why a lot of people did it adp archetype that we don't really need to work on we just need to tweak a couple things with the list to make it better and that is way easier to find the perfect list than just building an archetype from scratch so you look at pikaram a very popular archetype in terms of the people that have played it throughout time i guess is what i was trying to go there six percent of the entire day one decent it's a top five deck top five deck outside of day one if it ain't broke don't fix it we saw it won the limitless third qualifier now we're seeing it win here the big thing about here though is that why i think it like it was able to really excel was because it had the ability to item lock i think vikavolt is just like that strong of a card you look at a card like uh seismitoad seismitoad ex was included in any deck that was like playing double colorless this is the same thing with Vikavolt because Vikavolt has lightning requirements. Really, any deck that is lightning should be playing a Vikavolt because item lock is just so strong. It's, yeah. It allows you to stall so much. And I think to that point, you know, the winning deck played two. So in yeah. some ways, it was like, it was kind of like a Pikaram Vikavolt, so a Pikavolt deck, which, yeah. like, you know, I, I think it's a smart, smart call because, like, it depends on the matchup. So you give yourself this option of like what kind of deck do i want to run and look it's not going to be a well-crafted vikavolt deck because vikavolt has other cards like crushing hammers or galar mines or mareep or whatever in that format that's going to help it but it's just hey in the right matchup or in the right situation i can throw this down either buy myself some time or really disrupt my opponent so that's i think the best partner it has gotten like every set, there seems to be one new partner Pokemon they give Pikaram. Uh, and that's just been crazy. Wait, was there one in the Sword and Shield? Tapu Koko. Oh, yeah, that's right. Tapu Koko V, people played with that. Then Bolton came out and Rebel Clash, people played that. Now we're going to get Gigantic, Gigantamax Pikachu. Who knows? I mean, yeah, I, I'm done trying to write off Pikaram. Uh, you know, and this is where we can start getting into post rotation in a second, but like. I just, every format, I feel like me and so many other people to some degree try to say, ah, Picaram's probably dead. Picaram's probably dead. And it hasn't died in like three formats, four formats now of that. And, you know, I, I, 
I don't know, man. I it, what what will kill Picaram? I don't know. Maybe nothing. Maybe rotation will be the only thing that kills Picaram. Before we get into rotation, um, Sean and I both made our own runs in the uh, in the Atlas Pog Championships. I did Pod Two. Sean did Pod One. I realized that I had not practiced enough just because of work and everything that I have going on in life outside of Pokemon. I was like, I have not been able to practice enough for this event. I don't know what to do. So I picked a comfort pick. I picked Blacephalon GX. I know I said on the podcast I was going to play control, which I wish I did because Sander, I probably wouldn't have done as well as Sander (laughs) placing second, but I would have loved to think that I would have done well. But I played Blacephalon GX, uh, went three and four, three, four drop. Um, Welder and Beast Ring does not exist. Sean, how'd you do? Man, you did better than I did. I I I went one four drop with ADPZ. It was ADPZ. It was bad. I had a very bad day. Um, when you told me that you went one four, I thought you played Charizard Vmax again. No, no, ADPZ. It was just everything was unfortunate. You know, I think like I look back at it and I'm like, look, there's got to be something that I can do differently, and like. I I'm I really am at a loss for like understanding if I could have done anything differently in any of those games, but it just felt like the one game that I won I beat Control my very first not Control it was Mareep it was Sleepy Sleepy, Sleepy Mill so they didn't play my Cargo GX though I don't know but it was like a Mareep Mill deck uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. Control it was Mill straight up and I managed to beat that because I was lucky enough to get all my bosses when I needed them and they never got milled. But then the other games, the other four in a row, I just got super... I lost to Excadrill because I turned three or four GX'd. I had a very, Ooh. very, very bad start. And um, and then I had game and everything. Um, and uh, I can't even remember what happened. But I basically had a game in hand. And I don't know, something happened and my opponent got lucky and got their last boss's order i mean they didn't get lucky they were able to go through the literally entirety of their last deck to get it Mm -hmm. but it just oh i know what happened they hit three out of their four crushing hammers that they played Uh, and i was one i was one energy short of game i didn't even miss a turn i just was one energy short um and it was just it that was unfortunate because like excadrill mills itself and he didn't mill Mm -hmm. any of his crushing hammers and he hit three or four of them and i'm like okay well Nothing I can do there. I don't know. So I won't go into detail. That's just when you say like, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> I mean, like it was just, it was bad. I got donked in one game. Um, and then the other two were like, again, just basically donks. I just didn't, Dang. I didn't get anything. Um, I mean, my deck like drew like gas. I was able to draw like a ton of cards every single turn. It was just one, the one turn where I needed one energy and one welder to donk little old Jirachi in the active. I drew like 25 cards. Welder was number 26. Ugh. Oh man. So mad. Cause I ended up losing that game. Cause it was against baby blounds. Yeah. And uh, that's what, that's what knocked me out of the tournament. But I do know like through like recording, cause I streamed, I streamed my rounds. Um, I do know through recording, looking back on it, like instances that I could have done something differently that I don't know would have entirely changed the game but i would have it would have given me a better shot to win the games because the deck i mean the deck was awesome like it can beat mad party i beat mad party first round it was crazy 
It's awesome. <laughs> it's exhilarating. Um, what else did I beat? I beat a Senna Scorch. Then I lost to a Senna Scorch because they didn't play Giant Hearth. And I was like, huh. Come on, just put Giant Hearth down. Please, please, please. <laughs> yeah, just put Giant Hearth down. Um, anyways, but yeah, we won't spend too much time on our runs because obviously our run doesn't necessarily matter <laughs> no, too much. it doesn't. It does not. We I didn't will make say top that. 32. Props to you for bringing something uh, that you felt confident and, and love and wasn't so obvious um, and getting three and four with it. I know like it's still, it's not a day two, which is what we all hope for, but it, you know, props to you for taking one that final risk. ride. Yeah. I just wanted one final ride with the bull, with the, with the crew. I started saying the boys, but then I realized that ultra beasts don't have genders. That's right. So I was like, I got, I got to <laughs> say the crew, I got to get pronouns correctly, Sean. We got to get pronouns correctly. Um, I think the only other one thing I want to, want to mention is like, uh, so if you did watch the stream, you, you might have seen a few of our, our ads for the Metapod. If this is your first podcast and if you're just joining, welcome. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying it thus far and you can certainly go back and listen to some of our other podcasts. Uh, but there will be more to come every week. Uh, but yeah, hopefully you also enjoyed those, uh, those ads. I think the in memoriam one was a hit in particular. Yeah. They played it twice. They yes. didn't just play it once. They played it twice. In a span of like five minutes. Shout out to everyone in Atlas Pog running the event, running the stream. It's definitely really hard to run that stream, especially through Discord, because it is so dependent on the player's internet that you're taking the recording from in Discord. And especially in games where there was some bad frame rate, like uh, the, uh, the people were at least... Yeah, um, or was it yes yeah I, I don't know it was one of those matches where it was just like yeah because really I remember rough. like I remember it was Sander versus the Marie Mill um, and someone was like why why don't you just show Sander's screen and this is one of the cool things that at least Atlas did to have a little bit of fun and recognize like hey yeah we're just doing the best that we can they uh, they had mentioned that Sander's frame rate was even worse <laughs> and they were like, you probably don't want to watch that. So at least they were having some fun. One thing I want to mention, I think, you know, is there the one thing I want to mention about Pog? The last thing is the finals. And I know there might be some some folks who uh, don't like the way that the finale turned out. Uh, so for context, it was Isaiah Bradner playing Peekavolt versus Sander. Uh, I don't not even going to try to pronounce it. Sander Wojak. I don't know. Uh, playing his control deck. Now, if you don't know, Sander is a uh, literal genius on control. That is his. That is his thing. That he plays. He's like control. literally the best control player in the world. Yes, I would he is say. amazing. Um, and watching him too, it's like half the time. It's it's sometimes even hard for me to follow because I'm not a control player. And like this, the cards he chooses to put back into the deck when with resource management, I was just like man, this is so on another level, but it always seemed to work out. And I'm like, he just has this down. So, but I will say the end of the game, Isaiah won the first match. Um, he was able to like get going early, power up a Picaram on the bench and then late game, use that Picaram to take three prizes. And that's, that's like how that deck needs to win uh, is take a couple of early prizes and then set up a three prize turn with Tag Bolt GX. That's how that deck wins. 
Um, and so that was the first game. Second game was a very long game. I don't know, Jake. I, yeah, you watched the whole game, right? I watched the whole thing. I didn't take time of what it was. I, did, it, I don't it know was the exact definitely, time. It was definitely a long one because there was, I think Isaiah only took one knockout that game. Yeah, it was um, a very, very long game. I think it was, I'd be surprised if it was anything less than 45 minutes. I think at any time though, because Isaiah did a really great job. This is just analysis because I love playing control. It's one of my favorite, especially Rangaroo control archetypes have been one of my favorite throughout my entirety of playing. But Isaiah did a really good job of not playing cards that he didn't need to play. So like self, self milling, because the more that your opponent plays, kind of the easier it is to mill them out, right? So like if you're not playing cards, you're running out the timer. Not saying that he's slow playing. He did not slow play in any sense. But like he made sure that if Sander was going to win, it was going to take a long time, especially because Isaiah kept using Vikavolt to item lock. You know, not really not bringing Pikaram in the active, putting a Pikaram on the bench and just trying to build it up. But being able, because you're building up that Pikaram as well, um, they're not focusing their... They're, uh, Sander the was not focusing hammers. like the crushing hammers or the Fabas, you know, on the item lock Vikavolt. Being able to try to run that, that is like using the timer to your advantage, especially when you win game one. Um, that is a valid strategy. I think I just spoiled how they turned out, but. Oh, I mean, I think it's fine. Like we don't need to, to worry about spoilers. <laughs> so but the uh, Isaiah, Isaiah ended up winning because time was called in game three which it i'm gonna be honest i i'm pretty sure sander had the win like if it was an infinite time and they were just gonna let it run until the game was over i think sander had the win but uh True. but you gotta as a control player you always have to factor in time you always have to accept that there is a clock that you have to work against as well. Like you have two opponents, you have a clock and you have the person sitting in front of you. So it sucks. But, yeah. and what but I will say it. too, I know some people are like, Oh, they should have let it just go. And like this, that that's exactly the way that it would have been called in a real world championship or any tournament. Yeah. Um, time is a factor. They gave them the same amount of time that you would have had in the world championships. And I will say too, Sander actually has the best chance to win with a control strategy in that type of game on PTCGO. He would have not done as well in real life because in real life, you have to shuffle your cards constantly physically, right? You can't mm -hmm. search your deck with just a couple of clicks. Um, and the same goes for your opponent. So every action that Isaiah was taking was probably done twice or three times as fast as it would be done than, than it would be done in person. So you're getting like a double advantage almost as a control player in this format already. So I think to your point earlier, Jake, I think Isaiah did not slow play at all, but I think Isaiah understood what the win condition for Sander was likely going to end up being, which is not just controlling the game, but doing it in the time limit. Yeah. And if you're like, okay, well, I'll take a couple of actions. I'll hit you to item lock. Yeah. And I'll, I'll pass, but like, I'm not going to draw into my deck anymore for the rest of the game. That's a very valid strategy. So yeah, that's a uh, item I, lock. Yeah. Item lock is a huge, was a huge reason. Like if, if there was no Vika Volt, I mean, I know we we're going into a lot of ifs right now, but if there was no like Vika Volt, 
I feel like Sander would have been able to get everything done faster. I mean, I think that's just like, I yeah. think Vikavol was the saving grace of Isaiah in this matchup. And I think that's like, that was the key victory of not only like how it went to time. Well, I can tell you yeah. why that is because you have to, because we mentioned this yesterday, last week, actually, I said to you, if control wants to beat Vikavolt, it has to play Chandler. And I think and that's, I mean, it's the only, it's the only deck that can play Chandler. Well, there was an interesting um, tweet I saw from somebody. I think it might've been, Talonite, I don't know, someone on Twitter said that like maybe um, ADPZ should have considered a single channeler or two uh, just because when you use channeler, you also can reattack with Zacian the same turn. You don't have to switch it. Oh, yeah, that's right. So it's like it has actually multiple uses in that deck. But like again, it's probably not worth the space. But I, I agree. I think channeler really just makes sense in that. But to the point of Vikavolt, right? The reason that Vikavolt won the match for Isaiah long term was because you forced um, you forced Sander to have to play Channeler, you know, every turn or two in order to use scoop up net on the Delcaddy and Rangaroo to keep it healed and all that stuff. Like that forcing you to use one of your supporters that you use two of every turn. So you surge and usually use two supporters in order to do that. You have to have one of those supporters be channeler more often than not, instead of having one of those supporters being Balalba. If that had it without that Sander wins in, with the time, no problem. Yeah. I mean, he rarely, he rarely used Balalba. Yeah. In any of the matches. I mean, it came to the point where, um, Kirk and Joe were mentioning, oh, Baloba's in his hand, off to the discard. <laughs> you know, like it yeah. was it was great to watch though. It was a it was a fun series. It was a competitive series. I'm glad that I'm glad that control made it because honestly, like I I love control. I mentioned it earlier. I need to watch it more because I need to I need to take that next level on like how I can improve with that archetype. And so I feel like, I feel like I learned a couple things in how to improve from my gameplay personally. Um, although, I mean, I don't think we can sit here and not say that control is going to evolve now because the Rangaroo is rotating and all these cards that it needs are rotating. It'll come back as long as, as long as uh standard doesn't retire, it'll come back. Now that we've talked about the past, Let's talk about the future because you can't play. Well, I guess you could play post rotation now, but post rotation happening on Friday, Friday, August 28th, I believe is what Friday is. Yeah. August 28th is going to be rotation. So cards from ultra prism to, to dragon majesty or lost thunder, which one came first, the chicken or the egg? I think the main thing is like it's team up on, yeah, you could say that. I just I committed to the Ultra Prism until either Lost Thunder or Dragon Majesty, and I I committed to it. So I had to do that. But yes, <laughs> team up, team up to the present. I believe it's SM one fifty eight to present. Ooh, I, I think it's the promo. Promo I'm numbers. Sure. I'm like uh, sure. <laughs> I've looked it up like thirty times in the last like two days. Um, so that is why. I think important that we lose like. we lose two promos. I think in particular that are very important for certain decks, which are both of the good Soul Galeos. We lose Turbo Strike Soul Galeo and Soul Burst Soul Galeo. It is one fifty eight and up. 
158 and up from Sun and Moon, and then I get you. I guess you have to say Sword and Shield one and up. Yeah. Um, so that was announced over in like April or whatever. So, um, we've already talked about what we've lost. We've already talked about kind of what's gonna hurt. But I, but I guess like we can go back to the idea of like, Sean, what are your thoughts on what is going to hurt the most? What is going to die? What is going to thrive? Or maybe even rise up out of the shadows, like a deck that we don't know about yet that could rise up with rotation. Oh, let's man. start off. Let's start off with the hurting. The hurting. I think we can that, start yeah. from the top, right? Peek around. Um, yeah. This is super obvious, but, you know, Picaram is just a deck that seems to not want to die ever. And I don't know if it still dies necessarily, but you lose Thunder Mountain. That's bad. You lose Electro Power. That's bad. Um, you lose, in some versions, Zero Aura, which is not great. So all three of those, but especially Thunder Mountain and Electro Power, I think make it a very... Oh man, it's it it every like I said, I don't want to rule it out because you know, egg on my face. But if ever there was a time to rule it out and feel more confident, it would be now. Yeah. I mean Pika Ram has been around ever since it released in team up and always considered one of the best decks in formats, whether we considered it or the results of tournaments made it that way. It's very interesting. And with the addition of Vikavolt, and you know, you still have speed energy, you still search it out through Guzmahala. I don't know what stadium would necessarily pair well with it. I don't know. Maybe somebody could make it work. Vikavolt makes it a much slower game, right? Vikavolt makes any matchup necessarily like pretty slow. Yeah. As we saw not only in the championship, but just knowing what item lock is in general does does it still have some sort of inkling because i mean, I I mean it, full blitz is so good <laughs> i mean full blitz is very good you're absolutely right and the combo of full blitz and vika volt seems to be really useful it's like having a you know, you know i've been watching a lot of basketball too shout out to anybody who watches the nba and saw that luka Doncic three at the very end of the last game anyways mm. Pikaram and Vikavolt together is a nice combo where it's like having Shaq and Kobe, right? Yeah. If you need to light somebody up from the perimeter or through the outside through a shooting game, you can do that with Pikaram. If you need to go to the basket, you know, drive to the hoop, you know, just do, you know, command the center, so to speak, that to me is like a Vikavolt. So depending on the game, you can choose which one you want to highlight. But I do think that Losing Thunder Mountain definitely hurts from like, oh, well, can you get turn one, whatever, or... Yeah, I don't think you can get turn one full blitz anymore. That's very... I, I mean, it's... You'd have to... Like, you have to go first, and you have to not only attach, but you have to pop Coco. Well, you yeah, you go second, you attach, you pop Coco, you energy switch. No, wait. Well, well I, I guess you could run energy switches, because that yeah. is in the format through Sword and Shield. So I guess there is a way. It's just like... It's not as easy. I think it becomes harder. Yeah. And I think the other problem is you lose Electro Power. So Electro Power was like strangely helpful all the time. Like I say strangely, but there's a reason why other no other deck 
has a damage modifier like that, really. You know, you think about like, okay, well, if you want to get a damage modifier anywhere else, you either got to play a Vitality Band, which is plus 10, which is not that great. Or you're running some like like weird flapple lines or Volcarona lines or, uh, you know, Diancy Prism's rotating, so it doesn't matter. But like, there's not really a lot out there that gives that sort of oomph, especially an oomph that's stackable. So that I think is a big, a big difference uh, because it doesn't let you stretch for certain knockouts anymore. So if you're sitting in front of a Jirachi, let's say, uh, and you have Vika Volt out, you can't go 50 at an E-Power Jirachi is knocked out. It's just not possible. So you could get there with like Vika Volt, Vitality Band, Zigzagoon, but like now you're adding a bunch of cards that probably don't help that much in a bunch of matchups. And so, like, it, yeah, I think losing that is actually the bigger problem. Is like, it doesn't help your math take prizes a little faster than your opponent thinks you can. There's definitely a lot of flexibility when it comes to electro power and like what you can and cannot do, or what you should and should not do. Yeah. In terms of electro power, which again, I will attest to what you said, makes it just an overall like super strong card. What other. Do you think that Senescorch, so like we talked about how Senescorch non-existent almost in the Atlas Pog Top 32. Does Senescorch now rise up? You know, if Picarom genuinely has a consistency, not consi- yeah, it has a consistency and a damage output problem. If Picarom cannot like basically from a speed perspective push archetypes or decks away from that top table then you also think okay what else is out there that has the potential to do that i think bless Aphelon, um baby blounds might still be viable it just depends on what you want to run losing fire crystal i don't care fire you, flint fire fire flint i don't care who you are or what you what you think losing the ability to go grab four fire energies while at the same time putting potentially two into the discard for crystal is huge like you like that that right there you can go from two energy in hand to six energy in hand with just two cards um and like that's that's massive so i I would not discount that important the importance of that in a meta that you might have 300 plus hp pokemon as the mains Mm. so i think if those two decks suffer and then you look at the last one which is welder mew three in terms of like what decks can really just blow a Senta Scorch up, those three might make room for Senta Scorch, like might give it the time that it needs to, um, you know, to come out and, and actually do well. You still have to contend with Eternatus potentially. Um, I played a Senta Scorch against an Eternatus in a tournament, I don't know, a week ago or something. And, you know, I just lost because they had attach evolve boss's order on my Senta Scorch V on the bench. And that's just, okay, I'm done. Bye. <laughs> so see you. Yeah. And like, you still have that to worry about. Um, but I actually, I think it might have room. I do think though, that there might be a problem that doesn't exist now, but will post rotation. And that problem is Inteleon VMAX. Yeah. I was, I was hoping that you would mention that people have been saying, because lightning is like Picaram is dead. You know, people are hyping up Inteleon VMAX as like the next control deck almost. 
I mean, it does it does 160 and 60. It does some setup damage as well. Um, does 160 of the base. I don't, I mean, the hardest part on Inteleon VMAX is setting up. Mm-hmm. But you could also do the uh, do the 60 that puts a puts an energy back into your opponent's hand or something like that. Yeah. Right? You can combo so, that with Team Yell Grunts or Crushing Hammers. Mm-hmm. You can get rid of a lot of energies in a single turn. So I think that in some ways, like Luke Metal was very annoying because it discarded energy and then it prevented a lot of damage. Um, I think Inteleon has the potential to be annoying in a similar fashion, which is like, it just is stopping you from getting what you kind of need often, but doing so in a way that's still like an attacking archetype. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that Inteleon, you know, I know that we're not talking about like things that lose anymore, but like in terms of decks that might come from nowhere, I think Inteleon VMAX has that potential. Um, it really just is, can you find a build that is fast enough? It's really, ah, man, especially with the Nessa cards, you know, that Nessa that's incoming in like vivid voltage. I know this is like it. We're talking about November now. We're not even talking about next week. Um, but like the support of just that alone, you know, being able to go super aggro early to try to set up your board state and then like use Nessa after a couple turns of setting up, you got all your Pokemon on the field that you need, like evolution wise or whatever to just grab like four energies that you threw in the discord or maybe like two energies, two evolutions that you threw away early because you were playing more aggro style of the build for setup purposes. Like that's huge. So it's, I'm really excited. I don't know. I've heard rumblings. I've heard rumblings the last couple of days of like people saying that Vikavolt is still going to be viable and it doesn't surprise me at all. I don't, I mean, I get it because like item lock is just super relevant. You know, like I mentioned earlier, like Seismitoad was around for so long and included in so many decks because it was that good. So like with Vikavolt, we've mentioned like Thunder Mountain's gone. Um, E-Power is gone. It can still include things such as like counter gain, Tapu Coco Prism Star. Oh, counter gain rotates. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's Lost Thunder, isn't it? Anyways, Tapu Coco Prism Star. Don't tell me that rotates, right? No, no you're good up. there. You're good. That's team okay. up. <laughs> okay, but it still has like, you still have options. That's true. You still have options. And just like as item lock makes things a slower game, I don't know if this... I don't know if this card or deck really dies, to be honest. I don't think it I'm does. not. I'm not 100% convinced. It hurts, but I'm not 100% convinced that it's just gone. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think it definitely stays around. And I think you're right. Like that is a deck that Inteleon needs to be worried about because I think it's less because of the first attack of item lock. But like if I'm up against Inteleon and I'm Vikavolt, Maybe you item lock at certain points, but then you decide when it's right to um, pop off with Super Zap Cannon. And then maybe you run, like, you know, I, I know a lot of early Vikavolt lists were playing Turbo Patch, and you can still play that, right? Yeah, like there's your energy acceleration. Right. And so, like, you know, between that and, you know, Super Zap Cannon, which would knock out an Inteleon VMAX in one hit to take three prizes, like, it's kind of worth it at that point. Um, Does it pair up then with Glimwood Tangle? 
Glimitang not talking about the sleepy not, version. Glimitangle well, does I know, not I know affect. it doesn't rotate. It's like a brand new card. No, but Glimitangle does not affect items or anything. It only has an impact on um, attacks. Oh, it only has an effect on attacks? Yep. That's oh. how the card reads. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, it would be really nice, but it's not, it's not like... Uh, a flip any your next flip it's just the attack you can choose to reflip an attack oh well i mean glimwood tangle wasn't super relevant in no card so i didn't really worry about that and i That's never fair. face it so anyways I'm, I'm excited about waylord it's not out yet but it will be very soon i think that comes out with champion's path so that's i am excited about waylord yeah, Waylord is interesting to say the least, and <laughs> I I am excited to see what Sean can cook up or whoever wants to try to make it work. One deck that I think honestly like doesn't change at all, Eternatus V Max. Does that deck actually change like at all? I mean, I don't lose, think it does. You lose Eveltal option. Okay. I don't think that Eveltal, though, was necessarily a make or break for it. It's just like, oh, it's a basically a dark box option, right? Like, oh, I'll throw this in. Maybe throw in the Spoil the Fun, Alolan Meowth or whatever. Uh, no, that's Lost Thunder. Yeah, yeah. That's my point. Like, you lose a couple oh. of random, like, extra cards. See, they do have value, but they're not, like, the make or breaks. But, like, you still have other cards that can do really interesting things. Like, <clears throat> do you run it pure... Eternatus, or do you maybe try? And I do think there is some value in running something like a Weavile build, um, and then running like a Darkrai Umbreon, and that would allow you to then still get the instant KO on something with mm-hmm. Darkrai Umbreon's GX. And then you also have so it's not as easy or as good as Eveltal, if I'm honest, but I think that people will keep experimenting with Eternatus and it will just kind of adapt to whatever the meta becomes. Uh, Can but, we also talk about how the Eternatus list that placed seventh had a playset of peers in it? I mean, I like peers in the deck. You can get an energy. Like how there's not a ton of cards that can guarantee you an energy, particularly a high dark energy, which is the energy I believe they were running, right? Yeah, they were playing a playset of hide and a and four dark basics and one capture. That is exactly what you need in a Vika Volt match. Uh, because all of your Pokemon are darkness Pokemon, right? So High dark energy means you get free retreat. Uh, so like if Vika Volt is a big part of a meta, then high dark and peers is great because you can peers, get the high dark. You can either just go get another random Pokemon or go get a Crobat in particular. So depending on your hand, now if you're against Vika Volt, the Crobat's probably not as valuable. I think Joe from Omnipoke mentioned this and I think it's really important to remember. If you can't play your items, then you're going to get a really big clunky hand. So Crobat is actually not a great option. Mm-hmm. but you know, you at least can go get a switching out. So that as a switching out against Vika Volt is still pretty powerful. Now, if Vika Volt is less popular over time, maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, but I, I've always liked Pierce. Pierce like to me is like, you know, if full arts have gone down in price, I, I don't know, but if they have, uh, and you wanted it, if you've been considering it, it might be a good time to buy it. Cause I think it will only get more popular. Mm hmm. I, I, I did it in the YouTube video. We did a series, um, Eternatus versus, I think it was like your Cartana deck. I played Piers in that list. I think I played three. Wasn't a hundred percent sold on Piers, 
but I do agree like it had it had some validity in it. So although I wasn't say that I was on the Pierce hype train, I wasn't a Pierce hater either. So but I just thought it was cool to see a playset that I know so many people wrote off like such an instrumental part of the deck. I felt like. Yeah. And I think another important part about Pierce that people don't even remember outside of uh, Eternatus is you can use it to go, get, to go get a Crobat and to get any kind of energy, which, you know, there's Charizard VMAX lists. I know it's not a good deck. I get it. But any deck that runs triple acceleration, you can use Piers to go get your triple acceleration and a Crobat to draw. That's nuts. Or you could use Piers to go get your twin energy if you're running, I don't know, Mad Party or whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, it has real validity outside of Dark Decks 2. And it's not as expensive a, a card to play as a Guzma and Hala is. So, uh, you know, uh, definitely something to keep in the back of your mind. It's, it's certainly, maybe I don't know if it's a four of necessarily in every deck, depending on the deck you run. Um, somebody said on Twitter, it's the kind of card that like, it's either completely dead or completely gas. It's, it's only yeah. ever one or the two. There's no, there's no in between. And that feels like a lot of cards sometimes, especially Welder. Oh boy, Welder. I'm still mad that I like whiffed Welder to not to knock out that Jirachi. I'm I'm still super, super mad about it. Um are there any like really other archetypes that you are dying to cover Man. right now? Post rotation. Post rotation. Whether they hurt, help, come out of the shadows. I uh I don't I'm I'm really trying to think right now of what what lives and what dies? Uh, I mean, Mew 3, I think, I really think it's its last ride into the sunset. You lose all the Solgaleos that are good. Um, don't get me you wrong, you still have a lot of good... Strike, Ally. Yeah, I guess you have that, but I mean... No, 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 you lose that. It was oh, from oh, Ultra oh. Prism. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, you have yeah, no, yeah. You have no, like, Turbo Strike-esque options. Exactly, yeah, you have no options. Like, you still have Victini, which, like, some of the Welder ones play, but generally speaking, like... Malamar, Mewtwo Malamar is literally dead. That's that's gone. Yeah, yeah, Malamar <laughs> is literally dead. Uh, so, you know, if it sees play, I think it'll have to really change quite a bit because you're just your card pool of options just is shrinking now mm-hmm. very significantly. So, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure about it. Uh, that's one that I think you could probably say like Sayonara to. Uh, there will be a contingent of people who still play it from time to time. Maybe we'll see random success here and there, but uh, I, I don't. I don't think it's uh, going to be a contender anymore. And then I don't think we really need to talk about ADP Zashian. I mean, truthfully. ADP, ban ADP. That, I played ADP, and I'm saying ban ADP. Yeah, just. I mean, I would be perfectly all right if at the end of the video we just burned ADP instead of the Orangaroo. Um, well, next year. <laughs> that that's for next year. Next year, can we also burn reset stamp? <laughs> Man, did that uh, did that break your spirit when you were playing this weekend? And no, it's just like any time that I've ever played reset stamp. Anytime I ever play reset stamp, I quite literally have an unplayable hand. But my opponent, when I reset stamp them, has like research and energy to attach. <laughs> like, just it, like, like reset stamp. I don't think reset stamp has ever like worked for me never like worked in my favor it's definitely a small percentage if it has but i mean you look at adpz i mean yes you you lose the opportunity to have like order pads and stuff in your deck but some of the lists 
we're not playing order pads. I know Pablo, Pablo had a list that played four order pads, four metal saucers, you know, so that, that definitely helps his style, his build of the, uh, of the deck also had some acrobikes in there, but like ADP didn't have to play order pads. ADP didn't have to play acrobikes. Um, it just made it a little bit easier. So I still think ADPZ is going to be one of the top decks I in, think the, uh, in the format. ADPZ sure. is an interesting deck in that the more I think about it, ADPZ doesn't really... How many wins of big tournaments does it actually have under its belt? One? Yeah, it just... It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily win, but like it's one of those that's like... It's a safe pick to do well and it's so it's it's because of that safe pick to do well that people counter it well i think my main problem with it is you know people think about like oh well only ban something if it's actually ruining like if it's if people will say oh it's not winning a bunch of tournaments why are you banning it it's that to your point about like it's a deck that a lot of people will pick and when a lot of people pick it it naturally has the tendency to gatekeep a lot of other ideas and decks and that's not to say that the format isn't somewhat diverse. I, I actually do think the format has some diversity, which is good. Oh, this is way more diverse. This oh, is yeah. way more diverse. But all that said, I the reason I would be for an ADP ban at this point is because I think ADP has had its its moment. It's like it's definitely but like it's just tiring at this point when you play games where all your opponent has to do is gust two things on the bench and you're just like Oh, come on, like, please don't have boss, but you always have boss. So even as somebody who played ADP to no success this weekend, I still think that um, it gatekeeps enough of uh, enough interesting decks that can't succeed with it in the meta that it is enough of a problem. I haven't played long enough to like really know a lot of formats. Or like, or really like, this is my first card game. And this is, I mean, I touched Magic the Gathering Arena a little bit, but like, I, I'm not going to be like trying to go to Worlds and Magic, but like, I ADPZ's GX, especially the plus, I think is just like bad for the game. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just bad. I'm okay with the 30 damage, but the one extra prize is like, I don't think it's good. But anyways, I'll stop being a Debbie Downer. No, I mean, I, I agree. All heard. Uh, <laughs> you probably all heard about <laughs> how ADPZ sucks, whether that's from us or other people. Well, I think... I lost uh, my train of thought. I think that that's probably going to be it for me on like post-rotation. I mean, obviously, we'll see some events. I know that Hegster, Ethan, uh, is going to be running a post-rotation event starting tonight, the night that we record this, Monday. Uh, and shout out to Ethan. Uh, I, I don't know if he saw our, our one of our ads where we're like pretending to be casters, but <laughs> I will be um, casting the event tonight with Ethan. So if you hear this and I don't know, and you want to go watch the VOD, I guess, on, on, on Ethan's Twitch on Hegstra TCG, you can go watch me cast. Hopefully I'm not absolute trash. <laughs> but so that'll be, I think, the, the first real like post rotation events. And then there's a, a tournament this weekend. I don't know how many people are doing it, but it's like a Hyperlux tournament that has a pretty big cash prize. Yeah. Um, so now that Pog it's is like $2,000, $2,000 yeah, cash money. prize. Uh, so now that Pog is actually over, you might see a lot of people like 
decide, oh, okay, for the first post rotation event, I'm going to do this Hyperlux gaming event because it's just hard for that to like, I think it, when they decided to announce it and everything, it was just very, I think, difficult for people to get hyped when you have Pog happening immediately it's in also, the future. It's also a $15 entry, That's which true. I'm okay with. Like $15 is fine, especially when you're talking about a pool of $2,000 that you could possibly win. Like $15 is still less than what you're going to pay for a League Cup, right? Yeah. So I think a League Cup is like $25. I mean, it depends, then, but yeah, it's about, it's over like League Cup-ish prices, like maybe a low cost League Cup. Yeah, and plus like you could go, you could go, I think Azul GG, I think Isaiah Williams, and I think Danny Altavilla all have like codes to where you can make the price $13.50, which you may be thinking like, oh, $1.50, like that's nothing. Well, to me, a college kid that is literally scraping pennies to be able to survive. A dollar fifty is a lot. <laughs> cool tournament upcoming. Um, I don't know like what else we can provide that would like be an analysis for that, but that is something that we will cover um, next week once those results come out and become public. I'm definitely going to watch the stream. I'm sure somebody's going to stream it on Twitch, whether that's like as oh, yeah. a caster or as a player. Um, so I will be watching that. Is that on like Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, yeah, the 29th and the 30th. So what is the 29th? Yeah, Saturday and Sunday. So if okay. you got nothing else to do and if you are, you know, just so excited to play another two-day event after this POG event, then this is the one for you, Hyperlux Gaming. So yeah, um, I think that's going to wrap it up. How about you, Jake? I mean, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be good. All right, go get some coffee. Go get some coffee, yeah, my dude. I, I woke up, so my alarm didn't go off, Chad. We we said 7.30 a.m., and so I set my alarm for 7 a.m. I, I screenshotted my alarm that was still on. No no snooze, nothing. Said to confirm, Sean, it said 7 a.m. It did. And I, I did not wake up. I Conspiracy woke up, it was like Apple. 7.45, and I was like, what the fuck? And I, I rushed out of bed and I haven't had coffee yet. And my brain is dying because I'm, I have a caffeine addiction, also a Pokemon addiction. <laughs> well, addicted to Pokemon and You have uh, satiated the Pokemon addiction before your coffee addiction. And I appreciate that. <laughs> what, is the, what, is, what is better, being addicted to Pokemon or being addicted to coffee or caffeine? I would say, I mean, I don't know, man. At least, at least a Pokemon addiction will bring people together. But a Pokemon addiction, you'll run out of money. Coffee's expensive Caffeine too. Addiction. Coffee, my coffee is not expensive. Okay, it's ex- okay, okay, well, hold on. Don't stop the podcast. <laughs> We're still rolling. If you go to Starbucks every day, yeah, coffee's expensive. But if you're like me and you buy the Kroger brand tub, holy cow, that's like five bucks. Hold on, let me go get that tub to see how big It's only big a few it dollars for a whole month's worth of coffee, basically. Yeah. It's more than a month. It's I drink coffee every day. I drink three. It's like three cups technically because that's how big my freaking mug is. And that's like what my coffee maker just makes. It's like two cups of water, but it makes three cups of coffee. I don't understand how that makes sense, but that's just how it that's just how it goes out. But like that literally it lasts me way more than a month. It lasts me like a couple months (laughs) and I drink it every day and I do two spoonfuls of coffee so it's not water but it's not like you sip it it's not like you sip a thing of vodka and you're like you know 
Well, anyway, hopefully everyone's enjoyed this coffee making podcast. Hey, I, if you ever want to talk <laughs> coffee with me, I love coffee. I well, love coffee. So somebody, dra- you need I to set up like drink. a, uh, a, a gift thing on your Twitch then for people to send you good coffee, not the Kroger brand. I think stream, I think stream gifts disbanded. Well, I think stream gifts disbanded. I was thinking about Amazon affiliate links down there or something. Yeah. Get this I, I man mean, some good coffee. Amazon, where you at? Sponsor this kid. I'll get you, I'll get you coffee sales on your website. Amazon, where you at? All right. Well, thank you uh, to, to Pog for hosting the event. Uh, congrats to Isaiah. And uh, yeah, we will catch you all in a future episode. Thanks to everybody who joined us for the first time this week. And, uh, you know, if you are hearing this and you haven't subscribed yet, do that on whatever podcast platform and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Even if it's a one star. Even I just want to leave out by saying Eternatus made top eight, so Jake was right and Sean was wrong. Woo!